Thank you again so much for joining us this morning in worship. Please do me a favor and take your Bible. Open that Bible up to Psalm chapter 22. Today we're going to study Psalm 22. And I want to talk to you about this subject, when God seems distant. When God seems distant. This is the third sermon in a series I've entitled Fearless. And while I don't want to imply that we'll never have any fear in this life, we can learn to trust God more and fear less. Today, as we study Psalm 22, we come to a special day. This is a special Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Today is is when Jesus rode in triumphantly to the holy city of Jerusalem. It begins what's known as the Passion Week, where we celebrate his triumphal entry. We celebrate his death on Good Friday and his resurrection one week later after his triumphal entry, the resurrection that we celebrate on Easter. And you know, as Christians, we celebrate Easter, the resurrection, every single Sunday. But Easter is next Sunday. We'll talk next Sunday about the resurrection and how we can have the joy of knowing Jesus each and every day. But as we come to Psalm 22, we come to a messianic psalm. This is a a prophecy where David prophesies about the Messiah, the suffering servant. And so today, from Psalm 22, we're going to study about this subject when God seems distant. And we're going to learn how we're supposed to live in moments and times of difficulties and struggles. We're going to read Psalm 22, but we won't read the entire passage today. We'll read selected scripture. So take your Bible, open with me, and follow along. Let's begin right there in verse 1. David prays, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me, and they make their mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Now skip forward to verses 14 through 18. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Look at verse 27 and 28 toward the end of the chapter. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord And he rules over the nations. Now, let's conclude by reading verse 31. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. When God seems distant. Well, these are days of social distancing. It's a strange new phenomenon in our society. Some of you introverts don't mind social distancing. Some of you extroverts don't know what to do. But while we are distanced physically from our fellow man, I want to ask if there's ever been a moment in your life where you felt like God seemed distant. 
Has there been a moment where you felt like God seemed far away? Your prayers would hit the ceiling. You'd read the Bible, but it wouldn't come alive on the pages. And you struggled with your relationship with the Lord, and God seemed distant. As you read the Bible, what you'll notice is throughout the text of Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New, there were moments where faithful followers of Jesus walked through days of darkness and difficulty, and God seemed distant. David, here in Psalm 22 and verse 1, prays, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words are echoed by Christ on the cross in Matthew chapter 27. As he hangs upon the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken. Such a strong word. Gives the idea of being left alone, deserted, abandoned. Have you ever felt all alone? Have you ever felt deserted? Have you ever felt abandoned? These days of social distancing, why we are physically distant from one another and we can't gather as the body of Christ. If we're not careful, we'll see our faith disconnected and feel much more distant from the Lord. But I want to encourage you. The Bible tells us that Christ was forsaken on the cross, that he was abandoned by man, that that God, the Father, put the weight of sin on the shoulders and the back of the Son of God, that Christ was forsaken so that we might be accepted, that he was condemned so that we might be forgiven, that, that he was crucified so that we could be saved. So I don't want to... I don't want to imply that there will never be moments in our lives where God seems distant or where we feel like we've been forsaken. We will all walk through moments like that. But I want you to know this morning, Christ was forsaken on the cross so that you and I can be welcomed and accepted into the family of God. And think about that for a moment. The cross, crucifixion, Calvary, Golgotha, nowhere do you see those words mentioned in Psalm 22. But while it's not mentioned, it's pictured all throughout this psalm. Here we see the cross of Christ. And so when God seems distant, there are a couple of things I want you to remember. First of all, look to the cross of Christ. The first section of this psalm, verses 1 through 21, represent the crucifixion. As you walk through these verses, clearly you can see the similarities between the prayer of David and the crucifixion of Christ. It's written all throughout these pages. And while the words are not mentioned, clearly we see the cross pictured throughout this entire chapter David begins even by praying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, there are moments when you feel like you're alone. Maybe David felt like he was alone, but Jesus Christ was really alone, abandoned and forsaken. The cross of Jesus Christ reminds us that Christ was forsaken so that we might be forgiven. It was Oswald Chambers who said, All of heaven is interested in the cross. All of hell is terribly afraid of it, while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. We cannot ignore the cross. When God seems distant or you feel forsaken, remind yourself of the cross of Jesus Christ, the extent to which God went 
so that you might be a part of his family, so that you could be saved and redeemed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. In other words, a central theme of the message of the gospel is the cross of Jesus Christ and how we can be reconciled to God. The old hymn says it like this, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself to thee. Tis all that I can do at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Theologian and Bible commentator J. Vernon McGee has said that in Psalm 22, he can see the seven sayings of Christ upon the cross. First of all, the, as you walk through Psalm 22, verse 1 makes it clear that this is quoted and repeated by Christ in Matthew chapter 27. The first one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at verse 1. David prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And secondly, we see Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you look at verse 7 and verse 8, the psalmist here prays, All who see me mock me. They wag their heads. They make their mouths at me. He trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. There, Jesus, upon the cross, as he is being mocked and ridiculed and rejected, prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Look a little further in Psalm 22, verses 9 and 10. Here we see represented the phrase of Christ on the cross. Woman, behold your son. As Christ is there dying, he looks at his mother Mary and the apostle John. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. In other words, you take care of my mom. Here in verse 9 and 10, look at what the text says. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you've been my God. Jesus also cried out on the cross, I thirst. Verses 14 through 16, we see a clear depiction and description and prophecy of the cross. The Bible says here in verse 14, 15, and 16, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and feet. As you read these verses, you can imagine and see the image, the picture of the cross. Those gathered around the suffering Savior, they've pierced his hands and feet. Jesus says from the cross, I thirst. You see what the Bible says in verse 15, my tongue sticks to my jaws. Christ on the cross prayed also, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Verse 19 and verse 20, here the psalmist says, Lord, don't be far off from me. Come quickly to my aid. You've rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. 
on the cross, Jesus looks at one of the thieves hanging next to him, the one who believes that Christ is the Messiah, and says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, look what the psalmist says in verse 25 and verse 26. From you comes praise in the great congregation. I'll perform my vows for those who fear him. Jesus goes on to say, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forevermore. Final saying of Christ on the cross, it is finished. What does the verse say here at the end of the chapter? They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Circle that phrase in your Bible. He has done it. It is finished. And while we don't see the word Messiah or see the word crucifixion or cross or Calvary or Golgotha, we see clearly painted in Psalm 22 that this is not a psalm about David. This is a psalm about Jesus, the suffering Savior who would come, live a perfect life, die a death on the cross for all mankind, and be raised again to life everlasting and eternal. All throughout this chapter, we see the cross. It opens clearly. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then as you look in verse 6, 7, and 8, you see the shame that Christ experienced upon the cross as those gathered around and, and ridiculed him. And then verse 14 and verse 17, we see a clear prophecy that Christ will not experience any broken bones. Here he says, I can count all my bones. Normally, in order to see their criminals die more quickly, the Romans would come and break the legs of those upon the cross. But the Bible says that Christ died before that could happen. I can count all my bones. The Bible tells us in verse 17, they stare at me, they gloat over me. Verse 14 also tells us, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Listen, my heart is like wax melted within me. The Bible tells us in the Gospels that when they pierce the side of Jesus, blood and water begins to flow. This tells us that Christ died of a broken heart that literally his heart inside his chest exploded and the pericardium, the sac surrounding the heart, was filled with blood and water. So when they pierced his side, blood and water began to flow. And here the psalmist says, my heart is like wax, it's melted within me. Verse 18 tells us exactly what happens as the soldiers gather at the foot of the cross and the Bible says they divide my garments among them for my clothing they cast lots. These are just a few of the ways that we see the cross of Christ represented in Psalm chapter 22. Verses 1 through 21 teach us about the crucifixion. And so when you feel like God is distant or maybe when you feel like you've been forsaken, look to the cross of Christ, to the one that was forsaken so you can be accepted. And secondly, not only should we look to the cross of Christ, but I want you to remember to live for the glory of God. If the first section of Psalm 22 is about the crucifixion, the second section of Psalm 22 is about the resurrection. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus Christ endured the cross and despised the shame. But the Bible says he did that for the joy set 
before him. So verses 1 through 21, we see him enduring the cross, despising the shame. Verses 22 through 31, we see him, the joy that was set before him. You see, without the cross, crucifixion, there would be no resurrection. There'd be no glory. So the cross of Christ leads to the glory of God. That word glory in the Old Testament is very interesting. It's represented by the presence of God. In fact, the word glory in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, the word is kavod. It means dwelling or abiding. And so when God would dwell and abide with his people, you would see the cloud of his presence descend upon the tent of tabernacle or the temple. There, the presence of God would dwell. But the Bible tells us now that through Christ and the Holy Spirit, the presence of God and the glory of God dwells within us. And so when we feel like God is distant or when we feel forsaken, we look to the cross, but not only that, we remember the glory of God, that the presence of God dwells within us through the Holy Spirit of God. Notice a few things here about the glory of God. First of all, God will be glorified within the church. We see this in verse 22 through 25. Here, a couple of times, once in verse 22 and once in verse 25, the phrase is used, the congregation or the great congregation. What's he talking about? He's talking about the people of God. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the nation of Israel. And so God is glorified among the family of God, among the people of God. And while we can't gather in this building today to glorify God corporately, we can glorify God wherever we are as a family, right in your living room or at your kitchen table. Wherever you are, we can glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard about a little boy who went to church one morning. He was saying his nightly prayers that evening, and his mom overheard him praying, Dear God, we had such a great day at church today. I just wish you could have been there. Well, I want you to know where you're gathering today, God is there. Where you're gathering today with your family or with your friends, God is there. Where you're gathering today, maybe you're all by yourself watching through a TV screen or a computer or a smart device, God is there. And God can be glorified right there where you are. God is going to be glorified within the church. Not only that, but God's going to be glorified around the world. The Bible tells us, 26 through 29, the verses right here, that God's glory will spread through the nations. There's a couple of phrases here that I want you to underline. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. Circle those phrases, all the ends of the earth, all the families of the nations. As we've been studying Revelation on Sunday nights, prior to everything getting turned upside down, we see this prophecy fulfilled in the book of Revelation that every nation, tribe, and tongue that would gather around the throne of God giving praise and glory to God. God's glory will extend throughout all generations, throughout every single nation. So the Bible tells us that God will be glorified in the church. God's going to be glorified around the world. And here, God will be glorified throughout all time. The Bible tells us in verse 30 and 31 that God will continue to receive glory from this time forth and forevermore. Look at this phrase in verse 30. This is interesting. It says, posterity shall serve him. 
Maybe you want to circle that word posterity in your Bible. As we read this in English, it's kind of hard to understand, but in the Hebrew, the word posterity gives the idea of sowing and reaping, planting a seed, and then reaping a harvest. It says, if the psalmist is saying that Christ's death was the planting of a seed, Placing his body in the tomb was as if the seed is planted and his resurrection brings about the salvation that is the harvest of that promised planted seed. And that posterity, that which comes after planting the harvest, that that will serve him. Beyond that, the Bible says that that it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. The end of verse 30. A people not yet alive. Look at this. To a people yet unborn. That's me and you. We're glorifying the Lord today. We're rejoicing. We're studying the word. We're gathering to worship a people yet unborn. And generations to come will worship the Lord God forever and ever and ever. And so, when God seems distant, I want you to remember that things aren't always what they seem. There are moments in our lives, if we're not careful, we'll allow our feelings to take the driver's seat and then they'll tell us where to go. Can I encourage you, make sure your faith is in the driver's seat. Put your feelings somewhere in the back and allow faith to drive you where you need to go and then your feelings follow. Don't allow your feelings to drive you where you think you need to go and then your faith to follow. So operate in faith and belief that God is good, knowing a thousand years before crucifixion was invented by the Persians and later perfected by the Romans, there was a psalmist named David prophesying of the one true living God, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be forsaken, abandoned, rejected, despised. He would be crushed and bruised and beaten and battered. He would be rejected so that we might be welcomed and accepted into the family of God. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven one day? Do you have a relationship with God? Maybe you've got questions about what it means to know Christ or you're not sure. If life were to end for you today, are you sure that you would have a home in heaven? Well, I want to tell you, based on the word of God, you can be sure. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with God, that you're going to heaven one day. Maybe today, right where you are, you just need to bow your head and close your eyes. Moms and dads and sons and daughters and grandmothers and grandpas and sisters and brothers, just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. And maybe today, if you want to know Christ, you can pray a prayer just like this. It's not the words that I say. There's nothing magical or mystical about those words. It's the attitude of your heart. You can pray something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I believe that Savior is Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins, and I trust Jesus for salvation. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. 
If that's your desire today and you prayed that prayer, you mean that from the bottom of your heart, I want you to know the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him for the dead, you will be saved. That's not the words of a preacher. That's the word of God. You can be saved. And so today, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to let us know. The best way we can connect with you during this time is via text. And so if you would just simply text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402. Text the word RESPOND. We want to connect with you and talk to you about the decision that you've made. Beyond that, if you've got a prayer request or a need, you can text that same thing, RESPOND, to the number on your screen. Maybe you've got questions about our church. You'd like to know more about Second Baptist Church and what we believe, or possibly you want to be a part of our second family. Text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402. We want to connect with you. We want to minister to you the best that we can during days like these. And remember, when God seems distant, remember in faith that God is the same place he's always been. He's right there on his throne. He deserves worship and praise, and honor, and glory. He's good.